Good day, my name is Lorraine Lawson and I'm an Associate Editor with Bank Automation News. Recently, I spoke with Stuart Tarmy, Global Director of Financial Services Industry Solutions at Aerospike, a NoSQL database company used by PayPal, Visa, and Swab. We talked about what's new with artificial intelligence, and he explained explainable AI, deep learning, and neural networks. What are some new new use cases for AI, do you think, especially in terms of financial services and automation, or really just anywhere where they're automating? Right. Lorraine, great question. So, I mean, financial services is, or the use of AI and machine learning are exploding um, in, in financial services. Um, and it's it's become even faster and, and really accelerated because of COVID. Um, and part of that reason is because um, people, because they can't go into branches, they can't meet with a financial advisor face-to-face, are moving online. So in response to that, uh, a lot of what the financial service firms are doing is they're building um, uh, recommendation engines, chatbots, um, automating the interactions with clients. Um, they're moving more toward robo-investing, where they can do automated investing uh, recommendations for clients without a necessarily a live financial advisor. Um, they're moving to mobile companies. Um, uh, uh, are, are you have new new, new banks or, or neo banks, challenger banks <clears throat> that are entirely being written to to uh, as online without branches uh, that the legacy banks now have to compete with, and all this is being driven by AI machine learning. Um, and another dynamic we're seeing is just is just in fraud. So as people can't go into branches, but now they're moving online in, in, in heavily, um, getting more types of fraud and, and mostly around card not present fraud. Right. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not there to give you my card and identity fraud. And so AI and NL are, are powering these to become you know, much more f- efficient and effective out there. And we can we can talk about these in more detail. But yeah, I was just going to ask. I was just going to ask when it comes to fighting fraud, how does how, fraud, not frogs, how does uh, AI play a role? Sure. So when you think about, you know, fraud systems uh, out there, there, there's different types of fraud, right? There's first identity fraud. Which is, is, is Lorraine who she says she is, right? Or is it a stolen card? And then there's, once I've identified that it truly is you, there's other ways you can defraud me. You can have theft, you can be doing things knowing you're going to default or going to bankruptcy. Um, so I'm looking at both identity fraud and, um, you know, theft or, or a type of fraud later on. Um, so sort of the history of, 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 of systems for fraud is the early systems and, and 50% of all systems out there are still this way are, are what are called rule-based systems. So rule-based systems are when you just build rules and they can build up these libraries of thousands of rules that say, you know, if you made a credit card transaction in one state, if you make a transaction in another state within a 30 minute time frame, decline it, right? That's a rule. Um, and you just build, you, they can build up these rules and, you know, the leading firm for rule-based fraud system, you know, people typically think of Actimize. Um, and Actimize has been moving toward adding AIML into their, their fraud solutions. But the problem with rule-based systems is they're hard-coded, right? I have to know before the fact what my rules should be. And as someone defrauds me, I'll add more rules. But you're always sort of a day late. And so the fraudsters, you know, often know that and they, they do new things that aren't captured by the rules. Um, so the trend has been to move to AI artificial intelligence, machine learning based systems that can be more um, self-learning and can um, use much more attributes 
Um, so an AI ML based system, um, uh, often can look at anywhere from 10 to a hundred hundreds of attributes, um, and can do it very quickly and self-learning. Uh, there's things if we really want to dive underneath the covers, there's things called supervised learning and unsupervised learning and different techniques. But the idea is it's, it's sort of, it's meant to sort of mimic the, the human brain, how a human would do things. And people have been moving dramatically there. Um, but, but things don't stop there. So if I look at a company like PayPal, PayPal's moved very, um, much into AI ML and they're, they're a client of, um, of Aerospike. Um, the, the evolution of fraud systems moves even deeper into what they call uh, neural nets or, or deep learning systems where you're truly trying to mimic, um, the idea of how a human brain works. And it's, it's not exact by any stretch. In fact, if you talk to a, a, a biologist, you know, he'll tell you neural nets, the brain does not work. You know, it's a, it's a crude approximation, but what it allows you to do is to process much, much more data, um, and much, much more attributes. So if I talk about, um, AI systems, I said they'll process anywhere from say a 10 to a hundred, 200, 300 attributes. Um, neural net deep learning systems actually will process a million to 10 million attributes and look at it where everything is interlinked in this, this huge network. Um, the, one of the leading players in that area is PayPal. Um, PayPal has always been considered very good at fraud. They found using these neural networks that their, um, reduction in false positives and false negatives in their performance has actually gotten 30% better, which is really incredible because they were good before. Now they're 30%, they're claiming better. Um, so, you know, as you look at it as a, as a technology platform and the evolution of fraud systems, you know, neural nets, deep learning is, is to the far right. And there's even one beyond that, um, which I talked to people about called explainable AI. And what explainable AI is, is the, the ability, it's almost a, an artificial intelligence system on top of an artificial intelligence system to explain how it's making decisions. So one of the problems in the sense of, of AI systems and neural net systems is you don't necessarily know why they're doing what they're doing or how they work. You know the input you put into it, you know the output that comes out of it and the decision that's reached, but you don't know how it's, how it's, you know, what it's, what it's calculating to, to make that happen. I mean, it's literally could be processing in a deep learning system, 10 million attributes in under 20 milliseconds to make that decision. Um, so explain why AI is the idea to, to overlay on the AI system a, a system to, to actually explain why decisions are getting made. And there's a couple advantages of that. One advantage is that the more you know about how it's making decisions, the better you can tune your AI system, your AI model. So if I, if I know, you know, X, Y, Z, I, I may know I need to add more attributes or I may say, you know, there, I have attributes in there that really don't affect the, the outcome. Um, so it's important to do it for that. Um, the other reason is around data privacy. So if you look into, uh, say, in the European GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation, or California's CCPA, uh, California Consumer Protection Act, and there's other ones that are coming, um, some of the requirements there is that if a consumer asks you, you know, how is my data being used or uh, how are you making a decision? You know, why did you decline my credit card transactions, example, or how are you using my data for marketing purposes? Um, you need to be able to tell them by, by regulation. And if a company is using AI ML based systems, 
they don't know exactly how it's being used or how the decision was made. And so this idea of overlaying explainable AI on top of it, you know, gives them that, that map of how the data is being used. But that's far out stuff out there. Um, and, and the very cutting edge, cutting edge stuff. Yeah. I wonder, do banks even have access to that level of technology yet, or is that still, you know, big tech stuff? Well, they do. They do in the sense that, you know, if you're a, a large, large institution, you know, they have many, many computer science people who are, you know, building AI-based systems, doing work in, in NeurLess, you know, you get into large places. PayPal, as example, is, is heavily invested in that. Um and uh, and they can be building explainable AI into their systems. What's interesting is the the most primitive of the systems, which is rule based, is actually the easiest to do explainable AI because you can you can trace the rules that are firing, right? So it's in those systems. But what's happening also is that third party vendors um, uh, are building explainable AI or explanations capabilities into their systems. So if you use a third party, uh, I'll give you an example that advertises as they're building it into it is, is uh, data robot, um, is building, uh, explainable AI capabilities into their, you know, their routines. Uh, and data robots, you know, used heavily by companies to, um, uh, to run and test AI algorithms. Um, if you want to get, you know, extraordinarily advanced, um, I've read things where, where DARPA, uh, DARPA stands for Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. It's the advanced um, uh, scientific arm, VC uh, type arm of the Pentagon, um, has enormous initiatives around explainable AI. Um, and, and they often fund universities and, and industry. Um, so there's a big, there's big efforts going on in this stuff today. Wow. And Centurion Financial Services, how do regulators respond to this sort of thing? Because sometimes AI can be a bit of a black box, and I understand regulators like things that are very explainable. Right. Great great question. So, I mean, fraud, so so it's a little less than fraud. I mean, the regulators want to make sure that companies are not being defrauded, (laughs) Um, but the, the the, the banks, as an example, bear their own cost if they're defrauded, right? Or, or fraud letters levels rise above an acceptable rate. An acceptable rate is usually considered below 80 basis points, 0.8%, I guess. You know, uh, fraud overall average is usually about uh, 100 basis points, 1%. And it can differ by country and, and industry you're in. Um, but there are other areas where um, data privacy, as an example, um, the regulators care, you know, very much in terms of how decisions are being made. You, you see often in the papers that bias, right? Bias of these systems. They want to know how decisions are being made. Um, there's also, you know, a number of regulations in capital markets and trading, as an example. And a lot of these systems are being powered by uh, AI and machine learning. So they get very interested in how trading decisions are being made and are companies, you know, adhering to the regulations and compliance limits. Uh, for things. Um, so, you know, there's normal audits that occur with the regulators, with, with banks and asset management companies. And, um, that's one of the things they, you know, they ask it out and, and, and do audits. Um, can you just explain to me a little bit more about neural networks and deep learning and what technologically is going on there? Sure. Um, sure. So a, a neural net is, um, it's a, 
a branch of, I guess, computer science or AI machine learning, <clears throat> that's um, sort of a catch-all phrase to say, you know, how can we mimic the human brain in computer software? Like, how can we how can we develop a system that's going to sort of mimic how the brain does things? Um, and the idea was that the brain is really made up of cells. And if you could look inside somebody's brain, you'll see a cell either, you know, fires or not. Right. It's either, it either, it fires, fires an electrical impulse to the, to a next cell or not <laughs> on a cellular level, I guess, the neuron level. And that's, um, you can sort of mirror that in the computer by, which also works on ones and zeros. And so basically what they're, they're doing is they're taking a system and saying, um, so I'll talk about a neural net. It's hard to show you without a picture. Oh. Um, but you can envision, a, if you if you think of like a rule based system where there's a tree of rules, um, and if a rule is is is, is true, it'll fire to the next uh, root of the tree, so to speak. And um, so there's sort of a yes no of what happens there, um, and it's a one to one, right? If there's a yes, it'll fire to something else. What a neural net will do, this is very crude, will say if it's a yes, it can fire to the next node but it can fire also to 10 other nodes <laughs> in a sense. Um, and, and that's the next line down. Um, and that's what's happening. And then it can be recursive in the sense that depending on what the response is, it may want to give a feedback loop to the, to the prior route in the, in the graph. Um, it's very hard to, <laughs> I hope this makes sense. It's very hard to show without that. But picturally it's much easier. What deep learning means is you just replicate that many, many times. So you have uh, nodes that have, you know, that have a yes, no this result from an algorithm that fires uh, a, a zero or one into the next node, depending on how it, how it performs. Um, and then it can fire again into a next node down the line at a next node end line. And you can just nest these together, you know, infinitely, uh, so to speak, very, very deep. And that's why it's called deep learning. And I guess that's why you need something like a NoSQL database. You need a big data solution to connect with this. Is that That's right? correct. So a couple of things happen. There's two two reasons why, as an example, companies choose Aerospec. One is you need to be able to handle enormous amounts of data. And when I talk enormous, I'm talking pretty tens of terabytes, hundreds of terabytes. We have clients in in 10 petabytes of data, just enormous, more than you can even think about. Just enormous. I mean, think if you were, um, you know, Verizon Media or, you know, Schwab, you know, just huge amounts of data. So that's one thing. You have to, have to be able to handle it all. And the second thing is, is that people want the response back in real time. They want the answer fast. So, for instance, when PayPal does a transaction, you, you, you want to do a send a, a PayPal money from you to somebody else. They have to authenticate you and that other person very fast. You just expect it to go through. You need the power to be able to do that very, very fast. Um, you, you probably ask me, what does very fast mean? You know, what does real time mean? So the, the best in class type companies, um, I'll just use PayPal again as an example, will make that decision over enormous amounts of data in 20 milliseconds or less, in less than 20, less than 20 milliseconds, which is, you know, two, you know, two tenths of a second. They have to decide whether to make that happen. And so you need a system, a huge system to make, like, airspike that's optimized for speed and, and scale. 
way faster than I can make a decision. So when you talk about all these technologies, these advanced technologies, what will they mean for banks and automation? You've talked about fraud a little bit, but are there other use cases or what will it mean for yeah, fraud? Yeah, there's use cases all over. So one of the areas I talk to people about, say, in, in capital markets, or asset management, mutual fund companies, uh, Wall Street, is – you know, they typically look at their applications as, as front office applications, middle office applications, back office applications. And we work with companies in all those areas. So examples of those are a front office application is customer facing. So it might be things like, uh, Lorraine, giving you recommendations. You know, you, you, your portfolio looks like XYZ today and you should adjust it given interest rates and where the market is today and, and your, your personal family situation. Um, it can it can be programmed to do that automatically, so it can do automatic uh, automated recommendations at the one to one level for you. Uh, you have this investing for quantitative trading and analytics for large. You know the analytics is front office for for say mutual fund companies or pension pension money uh, type of things. So it'll affect that, and it's it's becoming you know it's big today. It's becoming even bigger. You have middle office applications. And middle office applications tend to resolve, revolve around um, risk management, compliance type things, um, and AI and ML is being used to to monitor all types of risk, whether it's market risk, liquidity risk. Um, it, it, it's working to to monitor banking regulations. You know, banks have so many regulations that they have to deal with, so it's becoming very very big there. Um, and then in back office applications, if I again stay with capital markets, asset management, there's things around, you know, what's the best way to clear and settle a trade? You know, what's the best way to make sure I get best execution price? What's the best way, what's the best way to make sure that I, I, um, do the, uh, the accounting for it, the portfolio accounting for it to any reconciliation I need and reporting. So AI machine learning and automation of this is, 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 is very heavy. Uh, investment areas for for companies um, because it makes allows them to do it much better, much faster, and allows them to reduce costs. You've been listening to the Buzz, a Bank Automation News podcast. Thank you for your time, and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com for more automation news. You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please don't hesitate to rate this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Oh.